Uh, now, last week, remember, it was Easter, and something about Easter included the resurrection, if you recall. And the next thing that happens scripturally is what's called the ascension. That's when Jesus is taken up, he leaves the earth, he's taken up to heaven. It's called the ascension. Now, the idea is that Jesus rose from the dead, and he met a few people, as we talked about last week, and then he rose. And, and sometimes we, we kind of get the idea that's real next, that's real close to each other, you know, like, like it's one day this, the next day that, or maybe a week, this and that. But in fact, the time between the resurrection and the ascension is 40 days, 40 days, uh, 40 days time. Now, for some theologians uh, who study this and who are involved in this kind of thing, 40 is, is an extremely important number in the Bible. Uh, 40 um, has the understanding of being preparation. 40 has the understanding of a transition or a change taking place. Uh, 40 has an understanding of something going away or, or being moved aside or lowered in, in importance while something else is raised in important importance or is the new, the, the, the newness, the, this new thing that's going to happen. And so 40, a time of transition, a time of getting rid of or lowering the, the value of versus increasing or, or higher relationship. So 40. And so when we talk about the 40 days between the resurrection and ascension, something's going on there. And Jesus uh, just didn't um, sit around or, or go to special people. Jesus had very specific things that he wanted us to know. Um, in fact, part of this was telling us what to do. Uh, part of it was telling us how to do it. And part of it was telling us exactly what to say, what to teach, what to preach. And so we're going to work on that today. What was it that Jesus wanted us to, to really hold on to? Um, after his resurrection, new life, and, and after he was gone from earth. Now, in preparation, let's, let's look at a couple other places in the scripture that 40 is used. Uh, for instance, did you know that the uh, temple in uh, Jerusalem, uh, when Jesus was alive on earth, the temple was in full operation. Uh, all the priestly duties were done, all the sacrifices, all the worship at the temple in Jerusalem was active. It's 40 years after Jesus's resurrection, after his death, the temple is destroyed by Rome. And that's the last time the temple was destroyed. The destruction even that exists today in Jerusalem is from 40 years after the resurrection of Jesus. 40 years from Jesus's resurrection to the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. An interesting 40 years. Another one is, um, one of the things that happened in, early in Jesus' ministry, remember he was baptized by John in the Jordan, and then later, not too long after that, he went into the wilderness. Remember that? And sometimes it's called the temptation of Jesus. Most of the time it wasn't temptation at all. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. A time of preparation, a time of transition a time of getting ready, a time of strengthening and newness. Now, at the very end of his 40 days in the wilderness is when Satan did the stuff with the temptations, the three temptations. 
But that wasn't the focus. The focus was the 40 days in the wilderness doing preparation, getting ready for this newness. Another place that's interesting is, remember the story of Goliath? Remember the story of Goliath and, and then David with the, with the uh, slingshot, the stone, the little stone? Um, Goliath was there, and his challenge to all those on the other side, all the ones who were with Israel, the challenge was, um, send me your best warrior, and I will slay them. You don't have any warrior that can stand up to me. And that went on for, believe it or not, 40 days. So once a day, a warrior, a, a superior warrior was sent over to defeat Goliath. One warrior went to match, went to defeat Goliath. And every one of them was destroyed for 40 days. Well, 39 days. And then David came along. Now Goliath is used to seeing someone come, you know, with their armor and their swords and their shields and their strength. And then he sees this kid come along, no shield, no weapons, just his little slingshot with a couple of stones. And we know what happened. But that was 40 days that Goliath tormented, that Goliath challenged Israel. Send me somebody who can feed me. Just try. Send a challenger. 40 days. It's also interesting that remember the theme of, uh, of, of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. Remember that guy named Moses? Moses, as you know, was born in Egypt and as a little baby put in the river and floated down and raised as royalty. Moses then uh, fled Egypt and went basically to be a shepherd. He tended sheep. And he tended sheep from the time he left Egypt to the time then of the burning bush and he returns to Egypt is 40 years, 40 years. So Moses leaves Egypt for 40 years. He's tending sheep for 40 years. He's working outside of Egypt. And then God says, uh, come see this burning bush and take off your shoes. I want you to go where I am the I am and go back and deliver my people from Vermont. Deliver my people from Moses was there for 40 years. And, and it's interesting because we then have Moses going back to Egypt with all of the, the Pharaoh's stuff and the plagues and so forth, and, and then the, the death of firstborn. And then we have the people crossing the sea, and Moses then takes them to enter the promised land. Now, in preparation for entering the promised land, Moses sends out a bunch of spies. Their job is to go across the river, go into the promised land, and scout it out. See who's there, see what kind of people are there, their, their customs, see what kind of pastures they have, what kind of sheep and cattle they have, see where the force, the, uh, the, the different uh, forts are and, and, and banquets and so forth. And so Moses sends these spies out to look at the promised land, to look at the new land. And the, the two spies that came back that had a good report were named Joshua and Caleb. And it, remember, when everybody came back, they brought samples of what they had seen. So one of the things they saw was, was they had this cluster of grain that was so big, so heavy, they had to carry it between two men on a pole. So they have two guys 
one on the front end of the pole, one in the back, and in the center they had this cluster of grapes. They were so huge. And Caleb and Joshua reported, ah, they're easy. We got to go down, take it. We got to cross the river, and it's ours because God promised them. All the other spies said, oh no, they're too big. Their city walls are too tall, too tall. They're, oh no, we don't want to even try to go across. <clears throat> so you have conflicting reports. Moses listened to the other spies. Moses didn't listen to, uh, you know, uh, he didn't listen to the positive report. He listened to the negative report. As a result, Moses spent some time in the wilderness. I guess how much time it was. 40 years. So here we have Moses and all the people who left Egypt going around the wilderness. Now you need to know also that one generation is 40 years. We do that again. One generation of understanding is 40 years. And so the, the wilderness trek, the manna for 40 years, the, the walking around the wilderness for 40 years, using that, that whole thing, is, is replacing one whole generation, preparing for moving to the new land, preparing for the promised land. Now remember, after Moses came out of Egypt, one of the first things he did, he went up the mountain and, and God gave him the Ten Commandments. Moses left the people of Israel that had just come out of Egypt there at the bottom, and he went, he went up the mountain. <clears throat> Do you know how long he was up there in the mountain? Moses left the people that he just brought across the river, from Egypt at the bottom of the mountain, and he went up the mountain to meet with God. God then gave him the Ten Commandments. The time from Moses leaving to Moses being up there was 40 days, yep. 40 days time. And so here we have again, this is number 40 that seems to have a significance of, of change, of transition, of preparation. So we have Jesus praying in the wilderness, and, and, and other people in the, in the Old Testament also prayed in the wilderness. For instance, Moses prayed for 40 days. Uh, he was fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Moses also fasted for 40 days. Um, Elijah, uh, Elijah uh, fasted for 40 days. So this wasn't that unusual. Now we have another interesting place that happens, though. The, um, the whole thing of... Um, Jonah. Remember the story of Jonah, uh, the, the big fish? <laughs> Remember what Jonah did? Um, he, God said, Jonah, I want you to go and tell the city that they're in sin. And <clears throat> I story them. I want you to give them warning. God says, you're wrong. You're going to die. And Jonah said, basically, I don't want to do that. So Jonah, instead of going this direction to the city of Nineveh, Jonah went that direction and, and got on a boat and swallowed by the fish. And the fish spit him out. And then Jonah had to go to Nineveh and give the message. Well, Jonah, most of the time, we think of Jonah going to the city, went to the center of the city. So we, we imagine Jonah trekked through the city, and then he outwardly claimed, you're all wrong, you are, you are sinning, you are doing so many wrong things, God's going to punish you, God's going to destroy you as an entire population. What we didn't know, what we overlook is, the time when Jonah went to do the preaching in Nineveh wasn't a day or two, it was 40 days. Nineveh was told the message by Jonah from God for 40 days. Now Jonah sat back on the hill wanting to see God fry him. He wanted to come down with fire, God, destroy every one of them, 
absolutely wipe him out. And Jonah was just waiting for God to do that. Well, you know what happened? Nineveh listened to the preaching of Jonah for those 40 days. They changed their life. They changed their entire thinking. They changed their, their belief that now we recognize the Lord God is the one who is the I am. The Lord God is the one who is our Savior. And they changed. They repented. They tore their clothes. They put ashes on their head, which is a custom. We're sorry. Forgive us. Forgive us. Forgive us. And so God didn't destroy them. That was 40 days that, that uh, Nineveh heard the message from God uh, through Jonah. 40 days. So you get the, the picture here of, of what's going on with this 40 days from resurrection to ascension. Of 40 days from Jesus's death, burial, and raising from the grave to the time when he is taken from the earth into heaven. Now, something else that was interesting I, I didn't realize, but someone mentioned to me on on, uh, on Facebook, actually, and, and they, their comment was that, are you aware that when we started the lockdown was March 25, March 25th? And are you aware that the date given for coming off lockdown in some places now is May 3. Guess how many days it is from March 25 to May 3? 40. Isn't that interesting? Um, interesting. I, I don't know what it means. It's just uh, fascinating and intriguing to me. Does that mean indeed changes are coming? Does that mean we're in preparation for our time at home, our time not doing? Um, is, does it mean that we're, we're, we're expecting something new, different? Uh, revealing uh, some results. We'll see. We'll see. But that's that's number 40 throughout the Old Testament, some of the New Testament. Now, what I want to look at then is for the 40 days that Jesus, after his resurrection, was here on earth, uh, what did he do? Now, last week at Easter, I talked about uh, Mary Magdalene um, going to the tomb and then Jesus feeding her as she left. And, and so Mary Magdalene is the one who actually saw Jesus. Now, this is after resurrection. So another one was a, a group of women went to the tomb. And, and they were going to go there, and they saw that it was empty, so they started. And Jesus, again, appeared to that group of women. And they worshipped him. They grabbed his feet. And, on, they, and the group of women were the second group of people to see Jesus after his resurrection. So Mary, the, the Magnalian, and, and then we have the group of women several women. Another one that is, is I told you about was the couple, uh, the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Remember that? And I, I described them as a husband and wife, uh, husband Cleopas, and then his wife Mary. And talking about all the things that had gone on that, that uh, one we believed in as the Messiah was killed. He's dead. And we, we saw him crucified. We saw him buried. And uh, all of our hopes now are shattered. And the two of them are talking, going back to Emmaus, the seven-mile walk. And, and I told you that Jesus then joined them and walked with them. And the important thing here is that at the end, after Jesus disappeared, as it says, after Jesus went out of their sight, they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn as fire within us? When he was talking, when Jesus was talking and sharing these things, and talking about how all the Old Testament pointed to him. Everything that he taught pointed to their own relationship with God. 
They said, as he was talking, didn't the fire burn within us? Didn't we know? And they didn't know until he left when they realized this was Jesus. So the road to Emmaus is another place where Jesus appears to two people walking on a road and begins teaching them, telling them, helping them understand what had happened. So we have Mary, we, we have the group of women, we have uh, the two on the uh, Emmaus Road. So I want to start now with, with a couple we didn't talk about. And this is Jesus appearing with, uh, with some people. And I'm sure you'll probably recognize this. This is found in the uh, Gospel of John. And uh, John, and we'll go down to uh, chapter 20, and then to year um, 19. It goes like this. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors of the house where the disciples had met, so it, it's a house that the disciples are in, all right? So the house is, is there, the disciples are there uh, in the evening. The disciples were there, the doors of the house were, were locked because they feared the Jews. They were afraid that, that they were gonna come and be arrested or beat up or something. And so they had locked all the doors, they made sure they were secure, and the doors were locked. Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. Extremely important. This is one of the messages that Jesus gives after his resurrection during the 40 days that he's on earth. He is, I'm sending you. I'm sending you. Just as the way the Father sent me, I'm sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. So I said, okay, I, 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 uh, I'm sending you. And when you forgive sins, sins are forgiven. <clears throat> well, return. If, if you hold on to, if you retain the sins, they are retained. They're not forgiven. Now, but Thomas, it says, but Thomas, one of the disciples, who's called the twin, Thomas was, uh, was not with them when Jesus came. Now, when Thomas returned then, the disciples told him, after Jesus was left, the disciples told Thomas, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to the other disciples, don't believe you, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand, and unless I put my finger right in that mark in that hole where the nails were in his hand, and until I put my hand in the side where he was speared, I will not believe. And that's Thomas's response. You people are nuts. I saw Jesus crucified. I saw him buried. What do you mean he was here? I don't believe you. I won't believe you until I put my finger in the hole in his hand. I won't believe until I put my, my hand inside this with the spirit within the side. I don't believe you. So that's without Thomas. Now let's see what happens just a little bit later. The disciples are there. And Thomas is there. A week later, it says. Now realize, this is eight days later. So the disciples are there. Jesus comes among them. Peace be with you. When you forgive someone, they're forgiven. You don't forgive, they're not forgiven. 
And, and then Thomas comes and says, Thomas said, eight days later then, Jesus appears again to the disciples and Thomas. A week later, his disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, here Thomas, put your finger right here. See my hands? Put out your hand, put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. So Jesus said, Thomas, uh, I heard what you said, but take your finger, put it right here in this hole, right here where the nail was. Or take take your hand and put it right here on my side where, where they stirred me. And Jesus said to Thomas, do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered, my Lord and my God. Thomas believed. He suddenly realized this, this, this is Jesus. This is Jesus. I saw it for myself. I experienced it for myself. Me, I finger there. I know this is Jesus. I believe. And Jesus' response to Thomas is extremely important for us. Here's what Jesus said to Thomas. Have you believed because you've seen me? In other words, I came, you saw me with your own eyes. You heard my voice with your own ears. You saw the pole, your finger, you saw the, the spear mark, hand, and then you believed. So, Thomas, you saw me. You heard you saw exactly, and then you believed. And then Jesus says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have come to believe. That's us. That's you and me. That we haven't seen Jesus the same way Thomas did. We haven't seen Jesus with our eyes, with our ears, with his voice. We've seen him a different way. And as Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen like Thomas did or like the disciples did, but yet they have come to believe in Jesus. And that's you and me. We have come to believe because of what we've been told, what we've read, what we've experienced in our change of our life to believing in Jesus the Christ. So that's another happening that occurred after the resurrection of Jesus for the 40 days he was on earth. Another one of his teachings. Now, in other settings, we have talked about uh, the next the next appearance. Uh, remember the seven disciples that decided they were going to go fishing, and they went to the Sea of Tiberias, and and they were fishing. Remember the story, uh, the story they they were fishing, and they fished all night. And Jesus was walking on the sand on the seashore, and he saw him out there and said, "Hey, have you caught anything?" Now, and Jesus tells them. Put the, uh, put the net on the other side of the boat. And remember, they threw the net on the other side of the boat, and they, they, the nets were so heavy, about took the boat over, and they were all struggling to hold all the fish in the net. And, and they, they realized that it's Jesus. So they came on shore, and there were 153 fish. And Jesus, meanwhile, had prepared the charcoal fire, the fire, a, a uh, wood fire for them, and, and he cooked some fish for them. He had cooked some uh, some bread. And what he tells the disciples as they come ashore is, uh, hey, come have some breakfast. And so the seven of them come over to where Jesus is with the fire and eat bread and eat fish with him for breakfast. 
And right after that, Jesus addresses Peter. And this is when he tells Peter the three times, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? And what Jesus finally tells Peter after Peter's response is, feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. So we have another directive, we have another information from Jesus. We're to be about feeding sheep. Does that mean like sheep, the bash, you know? What that means is other believers, other people who want to know Jesus. Believers who need the shelter, believers who need instruction, believers who need to grow together, believers who need to understand who Jesus is in their life. Feed my sheep, tend my lambs, feed my sheep. And then we have an interesting place here where Jesus um, is described. Paul, Paul in Corinthians, Paul in 1 Corinthians puts it this way. So we'll go over to uh, 1 Corinthians and down to uh, chapter 15. Now, now listen carefully as to what Paul writes here. Or handed on to you as the first importance what I in turn had received. So Paul says, I'm going to give to you something important that I received. Paul says, I know this, and I want to make sure that you know it. So I'm going to turn it over to you now. As first important, it's very important. That Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins. And that's according to Scripture. And that he was buried, and he was raised on the third day. And that's in accordance with Scripture. So, died for sin, our sins. He was buried, dead. And he was raised on the third day. And that he appeared to Cephas. Now, Cephas here is Peter. So Paul's writing, Jesus, after his resurrection, appeared to Peter. And then he appeared to the twelve, to the disciples. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers and sisters all at one time. So Jesus appears to Peter. He appears to the disciples. He appears to 500 people all at one time. And this is after his resurrection, before the ascension. And most of those 500 are still alive, says Paul, though some of them have died. Then he, Jesus, appeared to James. And then he appeared again to all the disciples. Last of all, says Paul, he appeared also to me. He appeared also to me. An interesting time. Because here we have all these people named by Paul that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection during the 40 days he was here on earth. Paul had something special he wanted to tell people. Uh, Paul wanted people to know that uh, Jesus, um, the proof of his resurrection is so wide and so broad but even more important are those things he was teaching and telling us. Now, one of the things that we continually hear is Jesus told his disciples and those others, meet me on the mountain in Galilee, meet me on the mountain. And so we have the 11 on the mountain Galilee. And Jesus, first of all, starts by telling them what to do. 
by telling those people who had gathered together, and it was the 11 and, but Jesus was there and he was telling those people what to do. And here's where he started. And we want to find this Matthew 28. Jesus started saying, I have been given, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. And the, the word for authority here is I've been given power. I've been given the power of all of heaven. I've been given the power of all of earth. I have the authority to make decisions. I have the authority to do things to make a difference. And he says, because I've been given this power, because I've been given this authority, I want you to go. That's not a, that's not, if you want to go, we should go. That's, that's an order, that's a command. I want you to go. Because I've been given power, I've been given authority, says Jesus. I want you to go. And, and do what? I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and make disciples. How do you make disciples? By baptizing. By baptizing specifically in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is telling these people there on, on the mountain in Galilee. And I want you to make disciples not only by baptism, but also by teaching. By teaching. And it's interesting here because Jesus has a lot of ways of defining what teaching is. And so we, we start going back and looking at what are some of the things that Jesus taught that he said we're supposed to teach. So let's look at a couple of those. So Jesus in meeting with the people there on the mountain, <clears throat> Jesus meeting with those people who've gathered, says, I have all power, all authority. I want you to go ye therefore and make disciples unto all the nations. I want you to baptize. I want you to teach. I want you to teach, first of all, the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul and mind. Love your God with everything you are. That's number one. Number two, Jesus says, is very, very similar. And it is, love your neighbor as yourself. Like you love yourself, love your neighbor just like you like yourself, just as you love yourself. That's the first one. A little bit later, and that's in Matthew 27, just a little bit later in John, John 13, Jesus says, I've, I've got the biggest, I've got the, the newest, I've got the greatest commandment for you. This is the greatest, best commandment. And then Jesus tells them, I want you to love one another as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. The message to us then is, it's not a request. It's a command. I want you to love one another just as Jesus has loved us. So, I've got all the power, all the authority. I want you to go into every nation. Go and make disciples, baptize, and teach. And Jesus adds something very, very, very important here. He says, I'm going to be with you every step of the way from now, tomorrow, and tomorrow, and the next day, even to the end of time. So with all power, all authority, Jesus not only gives us a command, but says, and I'm with you. I'm there with you for all time, every day, every moment. As you go and make disciples by baptizing and teaching. Teaching, first of all, love the Lord your God with everything you got. Love your neighbors yourself. And then the greatest commandment, 
Love one another as I have loved you. Now there's one other place that is extremely uh, important. And that occurs in Acts. Remember uh, Luke, uh, the uh, writer of the Gospel of Luke, a medical doctor, who searched out um, what are these what are these pieces of information about Jesus that we need to know? And, and Luke went and, and asked people, actually talked to witnesses of what had happened, gathered all this information, verified it, and then wrote it down in, in Luke. And he did the same thing with Acts. He wrote down exactly the same kind of information in Acts. Details, specific, important information that had been verified. We'll go to Acts uh, chapter 10. Acts 10 and down to uh, verse 42. Verse like this. And this, the wording here is he, Jesus, commanded us. So we've heard the other commands so far. And here's one in Acts that, that Luke picks up for us. He commanded us, one, to preach to the people. He commanded us, one, to preach to the people. And the preach word here is to proclaim, to announce, to proclaim, to proclaim Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is the one who rescues and saves. Jesus loves you. To proclaim, to preach. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. And the word testify here is to, uh, to announce, to, to have solemn declaration, to give a testimony, to be very um, forthright in where your faith is and what your belief is, so that others might believe in making disciples. So Jesus commands, go and preach, go and proclaim, go and teach, go and preach, go and testify. And Jesus specifically says here, I want you to talk about me as being the one anointed, the one ordained by God, that I'm to be judge of the living and the dead. Let him know, I, Jesus, I'm, I'm the judge. I'll be the judge of all living. I'll be the judge of all dead. And all prophets are to testify about him, Jesus. And everyone who believes in Jesus receives forgiveness of sin through his, Jesus's name. And, and that's, that's what Jesus was teaching. That's what Jesus was telling us at the time between the resurrection and the ascension. That something special is happening here. Jesus has certain things for us to do in his name because of his authority, because of his power. And he walks with us. He's with us. And we are on a mission for him because of the commands that he gave us. Now something else happens here. At this very time when Jesus is telling the disciples and that some of the others gathered around what he wants them to do and why, how to do, what to do, and what to teach. So again, we're in Acts. This time we'll go back to Acts chapter one. And it goes like this. In the first book, says Luke, remember his first book was the gospel of Luke. 
I wrote about all that Jesus did and all he taught from the beginning until the day that he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the whom he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself alive to many for the 40 days by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during the 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. Jesus is arisen. He is now ready to ascend. And Luke is saying, um, there's a promise coming from the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. John baptized with water, but you, you believers, will be baptized with Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's the first reading. The second reading comes from, again, Acts chapter 1. When he, Jesus, had said this, as they, the disciples and others, were watching, as Jesus said this, he was lifted up. A cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going and they were gazing up to heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, they said, who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Every cloudy day, I say, maybe today, Lord, <laughs> maybe today. And as the writer of Acts and elsewhere, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. And until that day he returns, we have a task to teach, to preach, to forgive sin, to love one another as he loved us, to proclaim, to announce, to speak, to speak loudly, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is salvation. Jesus is the way, the door, the life, the light, the bread of life, the water that's flowing, living. Ah, Jesus, this 40 days made a difference. This 40 days for us is still important as he was ascended into heaven and will return again. Let's pray. God, you... Uh, gave us all kinds of commands, all kinds of tasks to do. Let us use, Lord, what you've uh, laid on our hearts this day to proclaim your name, Jesus, to all those near and around us, to all nations everywhere, because of your authority, because of your power, being right here with us. Lord, thank you for the gift from the Father of Holy Spirit, who dwells within, who guides, directs, who quickens us, with a burning fire inside to fulfill all your commands. Oh, Lord, we praise your name now. Bless us as only you can. Amen.